Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how was your day today? Oh, man, it was a long day. Well, you know, but uh, God is good. He kept me Yes, he is awesome. You know what? I tell you what, we're gonna have a nice show tonight. Absolutely. We have some very, very. We have a very, very powerful woman of God on the call. Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, you know what? I was looking back over my life, and I, you know how how times we we think that we can direct our own life. We say, you know what? This is what I want to do when I grow up. That's good. That's good to have that idea. You know, and, and, and when you start working in the things that you want to do, it seems like God will turn you to another thing. You ever experienced that? Have you ever seen someone say, you know, I'm going after my dream, but all of a sudden things change. God changed the directions for me. Absolutely. I, I think we all at one time in our life will experience something that we won't understand right away. You know, something that is what I consider a move of God. Yes. Where he'll do something and you don't understand why why why'd you do that, God? Yes. You know, and it doesn't the picture doesn't become clearer until after you know, after you've been through that situation and and when you come out of it you know, it's it, I liken it to when the sword maker is shaping and shaping that sword. You know, just imagine yourself being that big chunk of metal as he's constantly beating on it and beating on it and putting it in the fire and shaping it and you know the whole time I'm sure if the metal had feelings it would say why are you beating me up you know why do I keep having to go in and out of the fire in and out of the fire you know and it's you know the whole purpose of it is to shape it into what it was supposed to be and you know what Brian the funny thing about all of this is you know all of us we want the cake we want the beautiful cake after it's done, right? But none of us want to go through the oven, through the heat to get there. You know, if we get the cake before it's done, you have eggs and it's all mixed up, and, and you, you're not going to eat that. You're not going to want that. You're going to want the finished product, the part that has gone through the fire. And that's something, Brian, that we don't like. We don't like going through the fire. It, it's uncomfortable, and we just we, we can't see outside of, of what's about to happen but you know at times we know what's about to happen we know God is blessing us but why is it that we just so, we fight the thing that God is trying to show us so much but we hold on to the people that are negative and they speak death into our lives but for some reason we rather spend more time with the enemy and our negative friends than we do being in the presence of God why is that you know I think it's just familiar company when you when you you know been around that particular situation for so long you get comfortable with it. you know and, and sometimes when God moves it's uncomfortable you know it's almost like when you were when you were young and as you were growing up your bones would ache and they would pop yeah. you know and you get stretch marks on your arms and other places and you don't understand this that sometimes growing you know when you're growing it, it may be a little painful yes you may it may be a little unsightly Yes, but once true. you've grown into what you were supposed to be, you know, the, the finished product is always to be desired. Mm. 
That's it. That's it. But you know what, Brian? Let's bring our guest on, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me formally introduce her. We have on guest author Dr. Linda F. B. And as a 19-year children's minister, Dr. Bede understands the necessity of breaking through detrimental thoughts and practices preventing the individual from taking positive forward steps. You know, I want to start out by saying I love the scripture that she has, you know, in her in her uh, her, her vitae. I would, I guess, I would call it that. What is resume. it? What is it? <laughs> she says, John fifteen sixteen states, "Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain." Wow. You know, I boy, that's. The, I remember we were doing a show a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about that about yes. that fruit that's remaining. Yes. You know, and what does your fruit taste like? Yes. You know, what is your how? What kind of fruit have you bear? You know, is it rotten apples or is it you know is the the chosen choice? Yeah. You know. Yes. But let me finish talking about that. Let me finish talking about her rather. As a workshop developer and facilitator, she's traveled across the country to lend her special blend of teaching and motivation to help inspire others to discover and walk passionately in their purpose. Oh, that's mm. awesome. That is awesome. Dr. Bede, are you there? I'm here, gentlemen. Good. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I was telling Brian about you. We were, I told him about our conversation that we had the other night. Uh, pretty much, he he couldn't experience it if, it if he wasn't there because I couldn't explain it the way that we talked about a lot of things that we did. And it was just it was a beautiful thing, fellowshipping with you, and you were sharing with me a lot of the of your wisdom. And I just thank God for you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you know what? I want to ask you a question. Uh, you, you said you want to help others really. Uh, well, I'm paraphrasing. You, you really want to help someone else to reach their potential as far as what God has created them to be. What what caused you to have that passion or desire to want to step out and, and help others? Oftentimes there are things that happen to us in our lives. At the time that it happens to us, we're not aware that God may be using that as a catalyst to propel us into the destiny he has ordained for us. For me, as a child, there was one thing that happened to me that hurt me so badly that had I not come into a relationship with God, Mm -hmm. I would never have known that I had a purpose, first of all. And I certainly wouldn't have known to have reached out for it. There are talents that he has given me, but until I had a walk with him, I did not know the specific purpose that he had for my life. Growing up in the 50s, we lived in a little rural town, Bremerton, Washington. Not very many African-American families. And in my second grade class, I was the only black child in that second grade class. And I remember needing help with something and the teacher being so harsh and telling me that I was just stupid. And it crushed me. Mm. It just crushed me. My parents dealt with her. But from that moment on, throughout my school years, I never tried. If it became a challenge, 
I gave up because it was always in me. Those words stayed with me for years that said I was stupid. She was the teacher. She knew best. Mm-hmm. So what was the use of trying? Mm. You know what, Brian and I, we go out to the jails and uh, prisons and detention centers, and we find that that's the cause for a lot of the kids' pain and hurt. That's the cause a lot of times the kids are acting out in school and, and in life. Because in the jails, the guys are, I mean, they're all adults in there. But, when I, when but they're all going I, through. They, they, they said that they, they had some type of, uh, that someone spoke death into their lives, and they, and they believed it. When you do not know, when you believe that that person is, who is speaking to you has the authority, it is so easy for those words to take root. When I speak to groups, when I speak to teachers, when I speak to other people who have the responsibility of feeding into someone's life, what I always remind them of is this. There's an adage that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Mm-hmm. But that is not true. Words hurt, words harm, words kill, and in all many situations, it can detour purpose. It will kill the purpose in your life. Yes, it will. Yes, you know, it will. Dr. B, there's yes, one sir. thing that I find that's just so, you know, hateful, I guess. Just, I guess it's, I don't want to use that strong of a word. I guess I could say disconcerting is when people, when you hear someone actually tell a child, you know, you're never going to be anything or you're just like your father, he's no good, or she takes out to her mom and she's bad. You know, why do you think people, well, I, let me rephrase it. Do you think people speak death into other people's lives because they're experiencing that type of, you know, because somebody did it to them? Oftentimes, when we speak those type of words, the word tells us that the power of life and death is in our tongues. That is the most powerful tool that we have. But I believe that a majority of people will speak negative, will speak death rather than life into someone's situation out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a definition of ignorance that I found in an older dictionary that I like to use when I speak, and it says, unlearned, untaught, unaware of the good news. And what is the good news? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm. You know what? And that's so true. I guess if a person is being raised in an environment, a toxic environment, I say, and they hear negative talk all the time, whether they want to accept it or not, for some reason that thing takes root in their life and it just grows and, and the people will go out there and, and without knowing it, like you said, with you know just plain ignorance, they will say the things that they've heard other people say to other people and not knowing that death and life is in the tongue. It doesn't say that you have to understand what you're saying. And a lot of times that's what happens. And I hear it so much. Now let me ask you this. When when we're going after our dreams and our goals, do you think it's a good idea for us to just keep that to ourselves because of of negative people? Say that again, please. Okay. I said, do you think it's a good idea when we're going after our dreams and our goals and we're trying to be who God created, created us to be, do you think it's a good idea for us to 
keep that to ourselves and go after that because of negative people? I think there's wisdom in allowing the Lord to tell you when it is time to reveal what he has placed in you. Yes. There will be people around you who will try to kick up your seat. When we have an idea, when we have a vision, the first thing we need to do is consult God about it. We need to know, is this what you would have us to do, or is this something that I want to do? There's no harm in stepping out on an idea that you may be able to achieve upon your own, because we know that when you have a vision from God, it's usually so large, so vast, that you cannot imagine bring you that to completion on your own. But there are smaller things also. When we speak to God, whether it's his vision or it's our idea, he is the one who's going to direct you in how you should go. Mm. That's that's true. That's, well, that's seeking him first is what you're saying in all exactly. things. Before we do anything, what you're saying is we should just seek him and let him direct our steps because he can't go wrong. He can't go wrong, but also know that when the time comes for you to go public with that, that's when you're going to have to have your alligator skin on because everyone is not going to be happy for you. And God has a way of giving you a ministry that will make you look absolutely insane. Mm. (laughs) But God is always right. He's always right. And when we follow what he would have us to do, we no longer have concerns about what man will say. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have special guest author, Dr. Linda F. B. You know, Dr. B., what you said is so true. When you when you finally reveal, you know, what your vision or whatever your dream or whatever your goals are to the world, you know, not everybody's going to accept you. Not everybody's going to accept that plan. And, you know, you will have a lot of people that will try to pull you down. I always hear people talk about the crabs in the bucket mentality. You know, if you're if you're at the top, all the other crabs are trying to get to the top, they're going to pull you back down. You know, not that we're crabs, but you know what I mean? But I understand the analogy. You know, and... and Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. What I'm also finding, it's not just the crabs and the barrel syndrome, but it's also those at the top who are ready to topple you over. Oh. Because they're not happy to see you achieve. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so my question is, you know, how do you recognize, what do you think we need to do in, you know, so we can recognize who... The crab is versus who's the person that's going to help us get out of the bus. It may sound cliche-ish, but it is my standard answer. When you go into the spirit, it is the Lord who is going to reveal. One of my favorite books in the Bible is Joshua. And the reason I love reading the book of Joshua is because Joshua was a man who always talked to God who talked to God on a regular basis, who consulted God. And it shows us that there were there was one particular time when he did not ask God who these people were. And because he did not, he went into a covenant with the Gibeonites, who he was never supposed to be in covenant with. And from that, I always, always come back to, God, who is this person? 
is this someone I should be with? I don't always get an immediate answer, and sometimes God needs us to use, utilize the wisdom he has given us, but he is the one who will show you by the Spirit, should you go through this door, should you not go through this door, is this a person you need to reveal this information to? Is this a person you should walk away from? He is the one who will give you that answer. Yes, he will. And uh, every, he's right on point every time. <laughs> but also know that his answer may come in a whisper. He may utilize someone in your life. You might hear it in the wind. But he will give you the answer. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. You know, I, I want to I talk about uh, some bondage, bondage issues that a lot of us have when we're uh, when we when we're down in the valley and we think that we can't come up out of that. We think that where we are is where we're supposed to be, you know, at that moment, and we're supposed to stay down. What would you say to someone that's going through that suffering? That thing, you know, well, maybe this the life that I've been dreaming is not for me. It's it may just be for somebody else. And there are so many people who don't believe that they are worthy to have something more than what they've already seen. They may consider themselves lucky to have what they already have. Mm -hmm. But God has placed such a value on us, and that's often where I stop where someone says, oh, I can't do this. That's not for me. This is for someone else. And remind them how valuable, how valuable they are to God. And that he placed something in you, even before you were conceived, just as he told Jeremiah, before you were born, before you were conceived, I knew you. And he knew what he had ordained for his life. There's not a life that has come here that God does not have a plan and a purpose for. But it is our responsibility for those of us who have grasped that knowledge to see that into others. But we have to be mindful of how we feed into someone. We have to meet them where they're at. They have to know that we're genuine. We have to love them. Cornell West says this, you cannot serve the people if you do not love them. So you have to have that genuine love for people and begin to feed in. Oftentimes, the way to disciple a person out of their bondage is simply by the life that you lead. What can you show them? What lifestyle are you living? What kind word? Often, just a kind word makes the difference between someone remaining in the situation that they're in and realizing that there is someone who cares enough just to say, Hello, how are you? You sure are pretty today. Words, they bring life. Mm-hmm. Dr. B, can I get you to speak up just a little bit? Is that better? Yeah. Oh, that's much What's better, up? much better. Thank you. I thought it was me. I have small ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Dr. B, I, um, I work with my, ch- my church, you know, helping with the children's church. And one of the things that I notice about children, and I have this heart for children, and I know that it's something that God wants me to you know, to continue doing, because it seems like where no matter where I go, I always, you know, I'm always 
being attached to a child. And I have these these little ones. They're very little. You know, they're like the three, the four, the five-year-olds. And it started off as a little joke, and I tell this all the time. But I told uh, the pastor's son, he's about three or four years old, and I told him that I was going to take his strawberry. He had gotten strawberries for his birthday. And so now all the little children talk about they had my strawberries. And I was like, where are my strawberries? And they're like, I'm going to eat them, I'm going to eat them. And so now it's kind of gotten to, now the older kids are talking about eating strawberries, and I got the strawberries now, I got the strawberries, you know. And I said all that to say, what do you think we have to do to get our children's attention nowadays? We have to be genuine. Children, especially young children, are extremely insightful. If children don't feel that they can trust you, you can't reach them. We have children who have been through things in their short lives that we have never faced in the the years that we've been on this earth. And a lot of children do not trust adults. They do not trust. It is our responsibility to be vulnerable before them. With my class, one of the things I tell them is that I can't teach you something that I'm not living. There you go. And there have been times when I've come to Sunday school and I've told them before I can teach, I have to give you a testimony. They will come to me. They will pray for me. They will tell me that God has forgiven me. And they feel a connection there. They go, ooh, Sister Linda is in here, and she did this, and she was willing to confess to us and allow us to pray for her. Well, if she can do that, certainly I can do that. They need to see you so vulnerable. If you have made an error, it is okay to share that with them. It is okay for you to come to them and say, you know, I need a hug today. Everything with me isn't all right. They need to know that they can be a blessing to you as well as you being a blessing in their lives. You know, Dr. B, when I went to the jail to talk with a lot of the inmates, uh, they only allow us to talk to the men. And my very first time that I went in there, I I had to pray before I went in, (laughs) but when I was in there, you know, talking to the guys, I found out when I left that more of the guys in there, most of the guys in there were freer than I was, and I was on the outside. In that? And, and, and what I'm saying is a lot of these guys in there, in the jails and the prisons, they have learned how to to connect with God in a way that I didn't. And what I learned from them was they spend so much time with him. And they seek his face, and, and one of the, the most important things that they told me was, what I do is I meditate on his word constantly, and it gets me through the day. So the reason I'm saying this is, you know, we have so many people out there that are fighting against being raped, and, and they're still struggling with that. And another thing that the guy said was, I had to learn to forgive myself for the things that I've done to others before I could have peace. And my question is, 
do you think forgiveness is a really big big tool for us to use? It is one of the top tools. The Word tells us that if we cannot forgive our brother whom we see, how can we... No, I might have just messed that up. But we do know that forgiveness, when we have no forgiveness in our heart, how can we go to God and ask Him to forgive us? Mm-hmm. How can we do that? Forgiveness, when that you said, the gentleman said to you, I have to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. That broke a stronghold that is a, a tool that the enemy uses to keep us bound. We can't forgive ourselves. We cannot forgive ourselves, so therefore no one could forgive me. I've done this heinous thing. And there are people who have done some very, very heinous things in their lives. Yes. But what I tell people is this. There's no big sin and there's no little sin. In the sight of God, sin is sin. Yes. But he does tell us that when we come to him, we ask his forgiveness. We confess. He forgives us. And he washes us. And we can begin again. So the enemy does not want us to forgive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us to forgive others because as long as we don't forgive them, then we're separated from God. He doesn't want us to forgive ourselves because that puts us on the road of right relationship with God. Forgiveness is a powerful tool. A powerful tool but one that we utilize very seldom. My, my, my. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have with us guest author, Dr. Linda F. B. Dr. B., you know, I'm, I also talk to a lot of kids in my community, in my neighborhood, you know, that are in trouble. You know, sometimes they're in trouble in school, they're in trouble with the law. And, you know, just sitting down and talking with them, you can see right away where some of the problems lie in their lives. I can remember talking to some a couple of weeks ago, and they were in trouble with the law. And, you know, when you're talking to them, they have this thing where they don't want to look you in the eye. You know, and I always tell them, I said, when you, I said, you know, talk to me. You know, talk to me. Don't talk down to the ground. You know, do you think it? Do you think that they just have a fear of authority, or is it just a blatant disrespect for authority? I think it could be a combination of several things. And again, I could not pinpoint it, not knowing an individual's background. Some people don't look you in the eye simply because it's not something that they they understood. I agree with you. I tell my students, I tell my children, I tell my grandchildren, when you are speaking to me, you look at me. You look me in the eye. There are some who look down because you may be able to see the sincerity or the lack of when you're looking into their eyes. There's an old wife who tells us that the eyes are the window of your soul. And oftentimes people don't want you to look into their eyes. It can also be cultural. We know that in in the African culture that looking an elder in the eye is a sign of disrespect. Right, right. So it it can vary from individual to individual. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. B, if I could, I want to go to your book. 
this is something that I think a lot of people need to get. Christmas time is coming up, and I think people need to go ahead and start buying this book for you know, gifts for others because it will definitely set a lot of people free. What can you tell us about your book? Business Unusual. Earlier you were speaking about how you have plans for your life, and God has a way of getting your attention and putting you on the track that he has ordained for you. And this definitely is what happened to me for Business Unusual. Business Unusual is a book that speaks to you about five individuals. They have all come together at a time in their lives that is very crucial. Each of them will be intricate to the future, but there are some choices that they all have to make. Now, we know with choices that there are consequences. There may be positive consequences. There may be negative consequences. So each of them are faced with, do I do what God has told me to do? Or do I set out on my own and have what I want at this moment? Mm. Bernadette Lewis is the fruit of her parents' labor. She has walked with God her entire life. At a young age, she knows who she is. She knows her purpose. And in her mid-twenties, she is doing this. She's opened her own business. She has brought in an eclectic group of people to work with her. Everything from the outside looks absolutely wonderful. She has a life that people only dream about having, yet she's dealing with some internal issues. She has an issue in terms of a grandmother whom she is forcefully reacquainted with and having to deal with what God is telling her about the grandmother and as to whether or not she is going to obey his commands. She's dealing with an employee whom she prayed, she asked God, is this the person for this job? I don't feel comfortable with her. Mm-hmm. But being told, this is the person I want in this position. Yet now having to deal with her insubordination. Then there, there's a little bit of romance in the book. <laughs> but the book basically is dealing with how to have a godly relationship whether it be male-female relationship, a God relationship, a business relationship, entering into friendship. And again, as I told you, I love the book of Joshua, so there's a lot of um, information that I, I took out of the book of Joshua that the Lord was showing me how to use it for this particular book. I was told that this book wasn't sellable. You were told the book wasn't what? I was told this book wasn't sellable because, first of all, no one really wanted to hear about a family who was walking with God. Maybe if we turned this book around and they were having trauma, they were having drama, we could entertain the readers with all of these things. And then, of course, at the end, we can have them uh, making a choice and, and coming to Christ. That wasn't the story that was in my spirit, and I knew it. I was told that maybe it would be better served if we took the male protagonist and we dumped him down, and that rather than having him being a business owner, we could have him be an employee. 
rather than having him learn, having him travel, he could be a bit more homeboyish. There were certain words in the book like assage or emasculate or expunge that were being circled, and I was being told that maybe, quote, my readers could not identify with such words. Basically, I was told that this could be a good book if I made it the cookie-cutter story that so many of the houses are turning out. I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. I knew what God had placed in my spirit. I knew what he wanted me to write. I am so blessed to have the husband that I have. My husband believed so much in the vision that God had given to me that he made it possible for us to be able to open our own publishing company and to produce our own book. Yeah. That's just how faithful God is. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So now you say that even through your trials of, of doing what God has given you to do, you met opposition from the people who... We had opposition from many directions. I was not surprised at some, extremely surprised at others, and very hurt by yet other um, responses to what we were doing in terms of publishing houses. It, I wasn't surprised when they wanted to change certain things. It was surprising to me when there were peer authors who would say, Oh, you can't do that. It isn't done like that. You're not going to have this much success if you do it this way. But I understood that I wasn't called to have the ministry that other people had. I understood that I was called to a different type of ministry, and I had to hold fast to what I knew God was telling me to do. I would not minimize the prayer that was in the book. I would not entertain with vulgarity. I would not create steamy scenes in order to increase my sales. Consistently, I was telling people that I did not have a ministry of the cash receipt, that I did have a responsibility to God for the gift that he imparted into me. And oftentimes, as authors, we forget that what we do it's not a natural sense. God has implanted a gift into us before a specific reason. And we have a responsibility, especially if we are saying that we are Christian first. And then if we are saying that we are Christian writers, we have a responsibility to maintain the holiness of the gift that God has given to us. We cannot compromise in any way because the words that come out at the tip of our pen, we are going to be held accountable for the scenarios, for the created thoughts. Mm-hmm. Often people will say, well, I'm not a role model. I'm not doing this to be a role model. Whether we want that or not, we are teaching somebody something. Yes, we are. And we are going to be held responsible for what we are teaching. Yes. Yes. That is so true. I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of people feel that and they think that what they say is not it's no big deal 
they can just say whatever they want to say to people, and, and there's no repercussions from it. And, you know, the Bible clearly says, as you, as you know, as you said, death and life are in the tongue, and that is so powerful. And what I love about what you're saying about your book is you didn't do it the traditional way. You didn't do it the way everybody else did their book. Do you think the people that were telling you, you know what, your book is not going to sell because we can't think outside of the box. We can't, we can't, we don't depend on God. We depend on what's been working in the past. Do you think that's probably the issue with people not uh, giving you the benefit of that? So, you know what, we're going to let God lead you with this, with your project, and we believe in you. I think there's two sides of what has come to me and that God does give us a gift, but God also calls us to be astute in yes. our business. Yes. So we do have to study the industry. That It's foolish if you do not. There is industry information that tells you this: you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. And I have to be really honest, we studied hard. We listened. We spoke to industry Professionals. God blessed me with two fantastic mentors, author Jacqueline Thomas and author Maurice Gray. I have been so blessed. He brought fantastic editors to me. I mean, he just paved the way for me. But there were others who said, if you don't do it this way, if mm-hmm. you don't have a review in this entity, if you don't do this, then you're not going to be successful. God just broke down doors that were closed because I really didn't do anything traditional. I thought, well, let's try it this way. Okay, that didn't work. Let's try it this way. But he put me in the presence of people that most authors are saying, I would really like to speak to that person. God would just open doors and set me at the table of this person. Or he would bring someone to me via a friendship of someone else. Mm-hmm. And they have poured into my life. They have said, we'll call this person. This can happen. Mm-hmm. They would tell me to have patience. Wait on God. He will open the door. So my publishing career has in no sense of the word been traditional. Mm-hmm. Nor has it followed the route that I'm being told is I must do. It just hasn't been. But God has been faithful. Right. Right. He will be faithful. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, Dr. B, even through all the growing pains that you've had, you know, the final result is that it's like a rope. You know, most people want to look at the rose and, you know, and behold the rose without having to touch the thorn. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You know, and so, you know, even though you've gone through those little thorns of not having it work exactly the way that it, everybody said it, you know, was supposed to work or do everything if everybody said, you know, you were supposed to do that way, you still came out with the product that God wanted you to have, the final result was a sweet-smelling rose. Thank you. 
But I would also say to people that God is calling us to a higher standard in terms of our writing. I would say over the last four to five years, the Christian fiction genre has just burst wide open. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, what we also have seen is that we have seen more books that are coming out that have shed a dark light on the genre and that there are books that are being marketed as Christian fiction simply because there is a character who may be a pastor or they may be the first lady or they were a deaconess or they happened to see a prayer along the way. And you have 90% of what we lovingly call smut in the church background. Then at the end of the book, there may be four pages of unfeasible salvation, and there you go. And it has made it hard for those who are truly, truly writing for God. But then I had to learn to stop saying that it was hard because God will take what the enemy meant for harm and he will turn it around for good. Yes, he will. But we have to be patient and we have to wait on God and we have to continue to do what it is that he is calling us to do. Because for every entity that is saying, oh, the people don't want that, there are tons of people who are emailing me saying, thank you for writing this book, who are emailing other authors who are saying, thank you for writing this caliber of book. So regardless of what we see with our natural eyes, we have to develop spiritual eyes to see what it is that God would have us to do and present it in spite of what man says. Right. Right. You know, and one one thing I want to ask you is, you know, when you were writing your book and you were going through and so many people telling you these negative things that you can't sell it, it's not, you know, it's just not going to, it's not a, a part of the traditional process of how things are done. Did you ever, at one point, did you ever want to just give up and say, you know what, God, I, I, I can't write this book. This is, I'm too confused. So many people are saying this, you're saying that, and I'm just confused. I don't know what to do. That never was an issue for me. I think at this point in my life, well, let's be honest, I God just gave me a personality that says, you can do this. Now, sometimes I struck out on my own and it wasn't a good thing. But once it's in me, I am determined to see it through to the end. There were too many times that he showed me certain things that he wanted for me to believe that he didn't want this book written. There were times, and I think I shared with you, Gregory, Mm -hmm. that as I was sharing with my critique group and they were giving me accolades and I got the big hit and I decided that, okay, I know what I'm going to do with this book because I knew that it was the first installment of what we have um, called the Covenant Series. So I had determined that I was going to put this ending in there and it was going to be so fantastic. People were going to be compelled to get the next book. 
It is an extremely humbling experience when you're standing in praise and worship and you lift your arms to praise God and you hear the Holy Spirit say, I don't want that. Mm. That is the most humbling experience I have ever had. And I knew what he was saying to me. Take that out. And I thought it was some of the best writing I had ever done and probably was, but it wasn't what God wanted. It was not what he wanted. And I had to repent and I had to erase and I had to lay on my face and ask the Lord to show me what it was that he wanted. So there was never a time that I wasn't going to complete the book, but there were times when I got in God's way. So you're saying you got in God's way. I got in God's way with myself, Mm. with my big head. (laughs) It's so amazing that you would say something like that because a lot of people, they don't have the guts and the nerves to say what you're saying because we as the flesh, you know, when we start doing things and God starts taking us to another level, we tend to, at sometimes, we tend to think it's us being, you know, the, the one that's doing that. No. So how were you able to turn that around and get back focused to what God was leading you and telling you to do? Would you say that again, please? What What, what was your turning point? What made you turn away from Dr. B to listening to what God called you to do? That particular moment in praise and worship when I heard the Holy Spirit say, I don't want that. The book pretty much had been written at that point. And again, like I say, I was getting a lot of accolades. My head started to grow. I was feeling pretty good about myself and (laughs) jumped in there and put just some crazy things in there. But God was not pleased. He was not pleased. And I couldn't go forth with what I wanted because it wasn't my book. This is God's book. This book isn't for me to have a book out there and say, oh, I'm Dr. B, and this is my book. Please buy this. Lift me up. See how wonderful I am? I am God's servant. Yes. I am his servant. I have to totally decrease in me in order to be an instrument of his will. This is a ministry, a ministry I didn't choose, but a ministry that he ordained. And so it is his work, and I am just bringing it to the people the way he wants it. There is someone who's going to read a word, who's going to turn a page, who's going to see themselves, who's going to remember something, but through it all, What Business Unusual is going to tell you is God loves you and that there is no mistake that you have made that is too great nor anything that you have done that he will not forget. That if I was in myself and trying to make it the Linda Beat book, who would it preach? Mm. That's so true. Yes, yes. You're just joining us. You're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have guest author Dr. Linda F. B. Dr. B., where can we get your book? Business Unusual is available wherever books are sold. 
You can also purchase it online at Amazon.com, Target.com, and Walmart.com. If you would like an autographed copy, you can email me at lindaonassignment at yahoo.com. All right, all right. Yes, you know, I think it's, you know, what you were talking about earlier with Christian authors and how that, you know, the devil just is busy. and He would even take an avenue like Christian literature and try to use it to get his word out. And his word, of course, is just, you know, just speaking of death and Mm -hmm. destruction. You know, but it's amazing because I can remember, you know, seeing books that talk about, like, the minister or, you know, and it's that he's the main subject, but he's not a holy minister. You know, he's sleeping around or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so when you started to talk about that, I said, wow, you know, I, I can recall hearing about a book like that. Or, you know, I can recall going across a book like that in the bookstore, mm-hmm. in the romance section, you know, and it's saying, you know, where the pastor was caught and he was living a double life or something like that, you know, or the... You know, I mean, just stuff like that, where it 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 has a form of godliness, you know, but it really doesn't have any true redeemable quality. There is a a phrase that authors will often use. I understand what they're saying, and again, I don't sit here pretending that I'm such a this wonderful person, and this is not an attack. But this is from my own point of view. And what I say, is, the phrase is, I'm keeping it real. <laughs> and yeah. so in these offerings where we have these scenarios, do these things actually happen? They do, unfortunately, in more uh, churches than we would like it to happen. Do we need to give a graphic presentation of it? We don't. Those are given by choice. Oftentimes, you said something earlier. You said how the devil will take what is meant to be holy and pervert it. But oftentimes, and I may not be real popular after I say this, but I say this out of the love of my heart. Sometimes we will write that story, we will write that scenario because we are trying to be popular and we want to have a book that can quote a scripture and stroke that forbidden fire at the same time. I've had an author say to me, well, look at David and Bathsheba. Well, that is a very, very good example because when you read the story of David and Bathsheba, you see that David is looking out of the window. He is seeing her baby. She is unclothed, and he desired her, and he took her in, and the result of that was that child, God continued to say, Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. Now let's take that scripture. We know exactly what happened to that. Now, if you want to present Hello, Dr. B. Brian, are you there? Okay, hopefully we'll get everybody logged back in in a few minutes. 
you know, it, it's such a wonderful thing to have Dr. Bede on the show, and and right now we're we're experiencing some tip, uh, some difficulties, but you know, God is able. For what Dr. Bede has said already, we need to strengthen our relationship with God, and that's something that's so important for a lot of us to do. And when Brian and I we go out and we speak to people, that's one of the first things that people will say is, you know what, I need to have a stronger relationship with God, but I, I, I just don't know how to go to God. I don't know how to turn my life over to God. I said, well, the first thing that you have to do is you have to learn to uh, value your time. And one thing that we don't do, if we don't value our time, we'll never do anything with it. And that's one of the most important things that, what I say, gifts that God gave us is time. If you ever get in trouble, what's the first thing that the judge or uh, the police officers, what they want to do? They want to take your time. They want to take that up. And that's the same thing that the enemy is trying to do to us, to us on a daily basis. He's trying to take away our time. He's trying to take away and destroy our dreams and our goals. But you know what? God is able. Until we learn to focus on God and make him the center point of our lives and the center point of the things that we're going after, then and only then will we have that peace. If we don't do that, all we'll do is to, to is continue struggling, fighting, warring with ourselves. A lot of people call it spiritual warfare. We'll be going through that, and we just don't know how to get out of it. So I say to anyone that's out there listening right now, we must have that relationship with God. We must hang in there. We must hold on to God's word because his word would never perish. I see that Brian has made it back on. Brian, are you there? Hello, Brian, are you there? Let me check one more time. Brian, are you there? Well, we're having some difficulties still. But, you know, we have to hold on to what God is telling us. And I was talking with someone today about uh, being called to preach. Brian, are you there? This is Dr. B. Well, Dr. B, I'm so sorry. I was just talking about, uh, I was having a conversation with someone today about being called to preach. And what I said to them is, you know, when God calls us to do a thing, you know, with our life, it's not our life to live anyway. When God calls us to do something, we don't need the permission of anyone else to tell us, okay, well, God said this, and you're going to have to do this to be certified to do what he's telling you to do. No, when God calls us, he is in total control. He don't need anybody else's help to tell us what we need to do. Greg. Yes, I'm here, Brian. We're back. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, I was just going on about how when God gives us, uh, when he calls us to speak or preach or whatever, we don't need anyone else approval to do that. But we'll go back to Dr. Bede, and I think you were talking about um, your book, I believe, when we had when, when you were somehow disconnected from the uh, call. Um, what I was saying was how there are often people who will come to me in terms of saying I'm keeping it real, and in keeping it real, I'm going to have this graphic information in here, and they will always direct themselves to the story of David and Bathsheba. And you can read the story of David and Bathsheba, and we know exactly what has happened. 
But what I tell them is this. If you believe that this is what God is pleased with, then here is always your test. If Christ comes to your house for the weekend and he says, I need a good book to read, could you hand him your book? Wow. And and that will tell you right there, would God be pleased? Are there stories that need to be told that may not be as rosy as others? There are, but there is a way to do it. There is a way to do it. It's a little harder to do it in terms of having to develop the skill, but that's what a writer is, always progressing in the skill. It's very easy to be graphic. But God has not called us there. Dusty road, yeah. a crowd than mm-hmm. You know, Dr. D, we'd like to thank you for coming on Brother Solutions Hour. You know, you definitely said something that a lot of people needed to hear. I needed to hear. You know, because, you know, I'm, I'm not much different than anybody else out there. You know, I go through my trials and my tribulations. You know, I know Greg does as well. You know, but it's always good and refreshing to know that, you know, just like that rose, you know, you're going to have those thorns every now and then, but just remember that you can behold that rose and it smells sweet. You know, um, for our listeners out there, remember, you can do it. You can do it. I want to say it again. You can do it. You know, some of the things we didn't get to talk about it with Dr. B. I want to ask you right quick. You know, I, I'm reading some of your information and it says that, that you speak to young adults, faith-based associations, as well as professional groups. How would they be able to contact you? They can contact me. The best way to contact me is on my email account at lindaonassignment at yahoo.com. They can also visit my MySpace at myspace.com slash lindab. And our website is www.lindabead.com and bead is spelled B-E-E-D as in David. Yes. Dr. Bead, tell them again where they can get your book. The book is available wherever books are sold. If they're not on the shelf, ask your bookseller to get it on the shelf. It is also available online at Amazon.com, Walmart.com, and Target.com. And again, if you would like an autographed copy, you can reach me at my email address, which is again, Linda on assignment at Yahoo.com. And Dr. Beach, you are available for speaking engagements, am I right? I am indeed. Good. Good. Awesome. Again, the book is called Business Unmade. And for those that have been listening, you've been listening to where our goal is to help us be more, do more, and have more. We thank you for listening. 
Please join us again on Wednesday as we'll have another fun-filled and Holy Ghost-filled hour. Thank you and good night. Thank you, gentlemen, and God Thank you, Dr. B. Thank you so much. Thank you.